to the Linnaean Society of London. If you know the extension of the... Please wait a moment. People have had to coexist with nature for a very, very long time. And at its most basic, I think, plant horror expresses our fear of the wildness and the otherness of plant life when compared to our own more domestic situation. And we like to think that we're in control of the world, that we have everything locked down. But in reality, the vast majority of the mass of things that are alive on the earth are plants. My name's Emily Burke. I'm a postgraduate researcher in Trinity College Dublin, where I work on research into American eco-horror. So there's a woman named Dawn Keatley who's written a lot about plant horror and what it is that we fear. And so she has six, six theses on why plants are frightening to us. And one of them is the fact that they are totally other to us. They're this very unknowable kind of life, you know? We look at a plant and though we're told it's alive, we can see that it has some familiar characteristics of life to us. It's so, so different to what we recognise in ourselves. There's actually an old Saturday Night Live sketch with Christopher Walken in it where he plays a gardener who's quite scared of all the plants that he has um, and his solution to this is to uh, go and stick googly eyes on all of them because he says the only way you know you can know someone or know what they're up to is to look them right in the eye. I was doing field work by myself so I immediately drove into the hospital as, as the pain was developing. I dropped my glove on the forest floor and I bent down to pick it up and I didn't realise that there was a dried, dead stinging tree leaf under the glove. And I drove my finger all the way through this dried, dead stinging tree leaf. The shrub species have deep green heart-shaped leaves with serrated borders and they're very hairy. The hair, it's, it's made of silicon material and it's shaped a bit like a hypodermic needle and at the end of the hair which goes into the surface of the leaf is a bulb and when you brush against the leaf, the tip of the hair breaks off and the hair enters the skin and then injects the toxin. Because 
because the silicon material is indigestible, the skin can't break it down. So this bit of hair gets stuck in the skin and if you put your hand under hot or cold water, the skin contracts and more of the toxin then gets released from that piece of silicon hair. I, I realised at the time that because of the, the degree of contact that the pain was going to be severe. It's an intense burning sensation. It's like being electrocuted and treated with acid at the same time and, and burnt. <laughs> It's so painful that those people who have been affected remember that for the rest of their life. You know, we do like to think of plants as, as harmless things. They, they sit in the backdrop of our life. They're they kind of tend to be the landscape upon which scary things happen rather than being the scary things themselves. So they house carnivores and they house other people who might have ill will towards us. But we often forget that the plants themselves are there as well. For nearly 20 years, this theory of plant blindness has been around and it's important that people in different cultural settings with different groups look at the question. And what we're finding, for example, in Sweden, where you have long, dark winters, is that people are not plant blind in the way that other studies have reported the issue. Because when you've experienced a long, dark winter, the first spring flowers, like Tusilago, the coltsfoot, are heralds of spring and they mean a lot to you to, to see that plant. It's like the plants and you have come through the winter. My name is Dawn Sanders. I'm a researcher teacher at Gothenburg University, Sweden. And one of my main areas of interest is the concept plant blindness. You know, we tend to look past plants to some extent. John Wyndham's Day of the Triffids, which is a 50s novel, literalises this in that it renders everybody blind. They can't see the plants. And then it goes, hey, what happens if bear power is taken away in that sense? follows a man stumbling through England in the wake of this meteor shower that's left everybody blind and concurrently everybody going blind 
allows this species of plants called triffids to, I guess, <laughs> get into control of their own lives. And so they, they have these vicious stingers, poisonous stingers that can kill everyone. And they start going on the rampage and reclaiming the earth as their own. They're still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. What the hell are they? So I think there's maybe something in carnivorous plants whereby they're a little they're they're somehow a little bit closer maybe to to what we recognize in people than a lot of plants would be because there's this kind of process of you know eating and digestion that's just not there visibly at least for most plants for us i think there is something something a little more human and a little more alive and a little scarier about them and then in horror maybe that translates quite well into creating a menace venus's flytrap is very popular as a sort of uh, here's my amazing houseplant kind of plant. And the problem is with Venus's flytrap in particular is that they're only endemic. That That is, they only grow in quite a small specific area in the US. And people have been digging them up and selling them as uh, plants to have as houseplants. But as humanity becomes more and more populous and as we need more towns and cities, the expansion into these places, that is an issue. We're encroaching on, on many of these carnivorous plants' native habitats. More recently, we have this kind of revenge of nature idea whereby we very consciously are afraid that what we're doing to the planet is going to result in something awful happening to us in return. There are examples in recent horror of killer plants that aren't carnivorous plants. There's a film that came out in 2008, I believe, called The Happening. So it charts the revolt of nature to some extent against humanity. Whenever humans are congregating in too too great a number, the plants and the trees start releasing this, this toxin or chemical maybe into the air, which causes people to commit mass suicide. Plants that feature in the film, they're never monstrous or strange or exaggerated or turned into kind of frightening creatures. They're very much just, you know, trees and plants and shrubs sitting in the background. There's a sort of connection here between the images of plants that we create in our own literature and our films and in our cultural artefacts and the living plant world. And I think that's good because as we've become more urban and less connected with the plant world, we have really diminished the knowledge that we have of plant diversity. In environmental studies more generally, when looking at fiction, not necessarily just horror fiction, but maybe science fiction as well, some people see a tendency towards the kind of post-natural emerging at the moment. So in something like Interstellar, we have this world that's kind of ravaged by fires, all the crops are destroyed, people can't live there anymore. But the solution in this case is to attempt to go and look for you know, another planet that can be inhabited. Some critics view it as a negative thing in that they 
kind of fear that it might mean that we're giving up on nature to some extent. So that rather than being a call to arms if to, to save the planet, instead it kind of portrays a world in which we've moved beyond this, that it's happened and it's an inevitability. And it's very important that we we really recognise that plants aren't just here for us. You know, they're not just here for our food, the nearest cup of coffee, our clothes, but actually they're a critical element of resilient ecosystems. The kind of refracting of environmental concerns through horror does play a function. Um, there's a critic named Robin Wood who, who calls horror um, the return of the repressed. Horror is a way of tackling subjects that we'd rather not deal with. So the things that we push to the side and would like to try and forget about, they come out in unpleasant ways. I find reading about climate change and environmental destruction, it's very difficult. It's an overwhelming, like massive problem that, you le- that you're left feeling powerless in the face of. So again, these kind of narratives, they can be a focus for that fear. They're a way of taking that fear and turning it into something understandable you know we all we do all kind of long for the straightforward monster that we can confront and try to do something about and in some ways that that can be a use a useful thing that horror can do of the living mass on the planet is plants. In that respect, it is almost very strange that we do see them as a backdrop, that they set the scene for the drama that maybe we play out and that maybe it's time to start paying more attention to the plants in my life.